Amen. Thank you, uh, girls, for singing for the glory of God. I hope you were blessed by the message of the song. And that's our heart's desire for our children, isn't it? Truly, uh, they are uh, an heritage from the Lord. We are so uh, proud and we're so glad for everything that they were able to accomplish through God's grace and through God's help. And I would like to congratulate our parents for your hard work for your prayers and your guidance. And we uh, graduate at some point in our lives. We have to uh, accomplish something, isn't it? Finish something, we need to move forward. So um, to all our graduates, we rejoice with you. Congratulations, those that have finished uh, grade school, middle school, high school, and college level or uh, undergraduate. We, we praise and thank God. Um, I'm excited to uh, share God's word. I was tasked to give a graduation message uh, as we wrap up our service for today. And I'm glad for your presence this afternoon and even for our brethren in the Lord, our friends who are watching uh, online. May God bless you. Uh, let's bow our heads forward a prayer as we uh, look upon, uh, before we look upon the word of God today. Let's ask for his blessing and his guidance. Lord God in heaven, we praise you for who you are for uh, the wonderful things you've done for us. Uh, first and foremost, we thank you for the great salvation that we have in Jesus, that our salvation is uh, forever, it's free, and uh, it's uh, paid for by the blood of Christ. Thank you because of that, we have, you've given us the uh, opportunity to get to know you, the one true living God. Thank you, Lord, for um, the freedom that we have uh, to continue to worship you publicly. Thank you, Lord, for uh, civil liberties we still enjoy today. Thank you so much, Lord, for uh, all the blessings you've given to us both uh, materially, physically, but most of all spiritually. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us as we look upon your word, that something that will be said today will be encouragement to our children, to our graduates, and to the parents and to all our brothers and sisters alike. We pray, Father, that you... Uh, also forgive us from our sins and shortcomings, purify us with your love, and uh, may your word and may your message be seen this afternoon. Hide me, Lord, behind the shadow of the cross and help me with my infirmities, and thank you for uh, what you've already taught us and what you've already received since this morning, but we're looking forward for uh, something you had prepared for us this afternoon, and we'd like to praise the name of Christ for everything that he had done for us. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right? I'd like to start um, this message with some introduction about our uh, college uh, students uh, graduating. We have some of them here, and uh, uh, they finished their course well, and they finished with flying colors, actually with honors and awards, so we give God the glory. There's a story of uh, Joe who said this, my college really turn out some great men. My college really turned out some great men. And Bill asked, when did you graduate? Joe said, I did not graduate. I was turned out. All right. So graduates, you've turned out all right. Uh, you've turned out good. You've turned out great. You've learned a lot from many teachers, including your parents that God gave you. And your parents learned so much too from you not the least of which is how to make Budweiser, you know? Send Bud to the school so he'll be wiser, you know, more knowledge. And you learn many things, including how to make antifreeze, you know, some kids, by hiding their mom's nighty, you know, somewhere. So, <laughs> so you're supposed to be older and wiser right now. And there was a story of Kyle who woke up to his teacher's desk holding a report card with a big red F. He said, if I were you, I would change this while you still can. Why is that, the teacher asked. Because my dad told me that if I brought home one more failing report card, someone was going to get a beating. There you go. They get that on their way home, amen? But uh, to some of our graduates here, some of you had become role models for many of the young, younger ones here who look up to you. And there's still uh, that fact of life that somebody's looking at us, isn't it? 
and looking the way we uh, conduct ourselves, the way we live, our example. So you've become a teacher yourself, so to speak, isn't it? You should recognize the power of your influence and step up to the place of leadership by always being a learner and continuing to look for wisdom. Because learning is an ongoing thing. It's a process of life. We never stop learning until we die or we meet God. All right? There was a story of a, a school teacher who was injured. Uh, and he injured his back in the summertime and had to wear a plaster cast around the upper part of his body for weeks. So this teacher uh, was under in that circumstances, and it fit under his shirt, this plastic uh, a cast, plaster cast, and it was not noticeable when he put his uniform or his shirt. So this teacher transferred to a new inner city school on top of that. And on the first day of school, still with the cast under his shirt, he found himself assigned to the toughest students in that rowdy school. And this teacher was walking confidently into that rowdy classroom when he opened the window as wide as possible. And according to the story, he busied himself with desk work. Then there was a strong breeze that made his tie flap, and he took the desk stapler and stapled his tie on his chest. You know, from that time on, he had no trouble getting the respect of his students. <laughs> Because they thought he was a tough guy. But little did they know there's a plaster cast on his chest. So he had earned some respect. And uh, some of you had earned some of the respect of the younger ones because uh, you finally graduate. All right? So you, keep, you need to keep on sharpening your edge, but don't fly off the handle, so to speak, in pride. Rather, Weld the edge and keep your edge in life. You know, many adults lose their cutting edge by not remaining learners, growing complacent, and ceasing to go forward. I hope you will still go forward, keep on learning, keep on growing, and keep on depending on the Lord. So if you're here, you're a graduate of high school, you're like almost 18 years old, don't you know there are stats here for our graduates that they said you have been in school now for 2,160 days. You have spent 12,160 hours in classes. Maybe more if you have extracurricular activities, isn't it? That translates into 777,600 minutes. So far, you've lived approximately 18 years. You've been around 216 months. You have been breathing 936 weeks. You've been going through the motions for 6,552 days. You've been here for 157,248 hours. You've been taking up space, you know, for more than 9,434,880 minutes. You've slept for 52,500 years. You've watched TV for 12,173 hours. Maybe even more, isn't it? If you binge watching, you know, with with COVID-19 and people were shut in in their homes the past year. Maybe this is going to be more. And then you've spent 7,488 hours eating. Mostly pizza, you know, for the Americans. So look at that stat, you know, those time frame. So if you live an average lifespan of 70 years, or as the Bible says, three score and 10 years, then you will approximately by average sleep 24 years, Work 14 years, play 8 years, eat 6 years, drive 5 years. That's more when you're in Manila. Amen? Talk for 4 years, go to school for 3 years. All in all, you might be sick for 3 years, study and read for 3 years. And most of you will happen that way when you were born in the early 90s. So, before folks, before children... Uh, before graduates, you were wrinkled, you were red, you were bold, isn't it? You're toothless, couldn't hardly see. You're crying and complaining and had no clothes on. I can relate because I, we just had a new infant. Amen? Well, you've come a long way, baby. Look at you right now. huh? You're not those things anymore. You've reached a milestone, but this is not the end. It's really just the beginning. You've come to the end of a big episode 
But just before the credits roll, across the screen flashes the words, to be continued. To be continued. Alright? So, continue thou. That's our message for today. For a brief moment, I'd like to encourage our graduates here, all of us, to continue in the Lord. Um, there is um, this great man, I think a president of the United States, his name is Jan Adams. And he said that there are two types of education. One should teach us how to make a living and the other how to live. All right? And the best education that we can find in knowing how to live in this world that we're living in right now in these last days is through the Bible. Amen? B-I-B-L-E, the believer's instruction before leaving earth. Or basic instructions before leaving earth. So let's open our Bibles in 1 Timothy, all right, chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Oh, 2 Timothy, I'm supposed to say, chapter 3. Uh, we will start uh, reading verses 10 all the way to 17, all right? This was written by one of the greatest Christian and missionary that ever walked the face of the world, where we attribute most of our New Testament epistles, and that is Apostle Paul. This is the first uh, of Paul's uh, epistles to the young pastor Timothy, who is the recipient of this letter. And uh, in the first letters of Paul to Timothy, in it, he exhorts Timothy to guard against false doctrine, protect public worship, and develop mature leadership. And Timothy's name means honoring God. We have a Timothy here, amen? Honoring God or honored by God. And we know uh, from uh, Bible history that he was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother named Eunice. You can find that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Timothy was uh, likely one of Paul's own converts from his first missionary journey to Lystra. The apostle calls him by this phrase, my own son in the faith, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, and my dearly beloved son, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. He calls him that because I believe he wants him to the Lord, and he's a young prodigy of Apostle Paul. And later on, after a period of faithful service, he was sent as Paul's, apostolic representative to oversee the affairs of the church at Ephesus. And he had a godly heritage because his mother, who's Eunice, is a, a spiritual woman, a, a godly man, and his uh, grandmother, uh, Louis, is also a Christian. So he has a good heritage. So we'll um, start reading verse 10 of Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 10, this is the example of Paul. Paul is speaking here. He said, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. He had uh, said this to Timothy because he was trained by Apostle Paul. He was instructed by Apostle Paul to uh, be able to be that leader in the Ephesian church. And he said in verse 11, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me, at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Amen. Yea, and all that will live, what, folks, brethren, godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But if you will not live godly or rightly or stand for what is right, then you might not be persecuted because you will not be different, isn't it? You're just going to go through the flow. But if you will live for God and stand for Him, you can expect some persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's the uh, characteristic of what the day and age we're living in. And here's the message, verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He has learned these things, doctrines, and scriptures from his grandmother Lois, from his mother Eunice, and from Apostle Paul, these oral uh, traditions of the scriptures, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, continue thou, but continue thou. So, there are only two kinds of courses in life. First is the required courses, and second are the elective courses. All right, as we talk about education. All right, first is the required courses. Three things about these required courses. There is life, there is death, and there is judgment. First is there is life. You got no choice. Who will your parents be, isn't it? It is a God-predetermined truth for all of us. We didn't have any vote. We don't have any uh, option because God in his sovereign will allowed us to be born to the family that we have right now. You have no choice where, when, or who your parents will be. And the scriptures there are Job chapter 14 and Job chapter 5 verse 7. All right? The Bible says that man life, man's life is short and full of trouble. As the sparks fly upward, so is our life. Our life is brief. Our life, of course, comes from God who created us. As the Bible says in Genesis, that we are created in God's image. That's why every life is sacred in the eyes of God. But because of sin, that image was corrupted, was distorted, and now we are uh, in the image of our fallen ancestor, our first parent, Adam. All right? But everybody comes into this world with a God-given life. We all have a starting point. Amen? But once we are born into this world, then... Our life will continue forever and ever because we are created in the image of God. There is the eternality of life. And there are only two places that we will spend for all eternity, as the Bible teaches, and we know that from the scripture is either heaven or hell. So, as we know, every what second there's a soul that's born into this world. And uh, I just want to thank the church for praying for us, for Jay and baby Ezra. And uh, he was born this, in this world, July the 7th, uh, 2021 at 5 a.m., even though he's a preterm baby, but we thank God for God's grace. And now he's still in NICU, uh, but he's improving a lot and uh, gaining some weight and uh, developing. So we give God the glory. So another soul was born, was ushered into this world, and God is the giver of that life. Amen? And every children that we have here who graduated from grade school, you know, you see the, the progression, isn't it? The development uh, as the parents, just like, oh, they were just born. They were just little babies. I was just holding them in, in my arms. And now, you know, they are uh, in grade school. And now they're in middle school, in high school. Now they can talk back. And now they can, you know, <laughs> do this and that. But amen. Now they, they, they are happiness before. And now they are be becoming a heartache and a headache, you know. Uh, but that's part of life. But still, we're thankful because they are God-given. Every children is an heritage of the Lord. And we need to ask the Lord to build our house. And we are proud of them for accomplishing. And, and as Filipinos, isn't it? This is what the mindset, the, the philosophy that our parents and even our, our, our ancestors, our grandparents, great-grandparents want to tell us. You know, we don't have much. We're, we're not uh, intellectuals. We're not rich. But the best thing that we can give to you is for you to have a good education, isn't it? That's uh, the driving force why they work so hard because they believe that education is very important. So kids, children, don't take that for granted, amen? And we're glad, we're happy, we're proud of you that you're able to reach that uh, chapter in your life. You're leveling up you know, from grade school, middle school, high school, college, and then and so forth. You know, So we give God the glory. So everybody has a chance of life, and everybody, uh, from the scripture, we can say that God is the source of life. Second is, second required course says, of course, there is death. And we know that in Adam, all die, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. And Romans chapter 5, verse 12, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death Pass upon all men, for all have sinned. We know that our federal head, Adam, the first Adam, fall into sin, 
And uh, he brought the whole humanity with him because the Bible says in the book of Romans that we are in Adam's seed, in the loins of Adam in seed form. He represents all of humanity. But even though in Adam all die, thanks be to God, the second Adam, the perfect Adam, Jesus Christ, who was the promised Messiah since the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, came 2,000 years ago, and he became the Savior of all men. And if we believe on him, the second Adam, the perfect Adam, we will have life. We must all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalms chapter 23. As the Bible says also in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die. Except, you know, Elijah who escaped death and Enoch who escaped death in the Old Testament. But for us as ordinary people, it is appointed unto us once to die. Why? Because we all live in the curse of sin in a fallen world where death has been introduced because of the penalty of sin. So we're all going to have this life, death, then it does not end. There are people who are teaching that when you die, that's it. That's the end of life. That's the cessation of life. But there is life after death. There is the eternality of a man's soul because it, your, 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 your soul is not going to be annihilated. Your soul will not just sleep or be in limbo and conscious forever. As, uh, as the Bible teaches us, as a, one of the great examples when Lazarus and the rich man died, when they opened their eyes, they are conscious. They know where they are. They know what they're feeling. And they met people that the Bible teaches us about. So there is life consciousness after death because there is judgment. There is judgment. And two sets of judgment. First is the judgment seat. Of Christ, this is for believers, for Christians, as the Bible says in Second Corinthians five ten. All right, let's go there. Second uh, Corinthians. Let me read to you. Before we go to verse ten, let's read verse one, and this is a great promise for us too. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, this is talking about our physical, earthly body that's prone. For uh, in, with diseases, with sickness, that gets old, that gets wrinkled, that gets worn, worn out, that gets tired. Uh, no matter how fit you are, there will come a day that you will not feel great, isn't it? There will be good times and bad times because this is our earthly house of this tabernacle. So tabernacle or a tent is just a temporary, you know, setting. So our bodies are just temporal, all right? The Bible says we have a building of God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Are you glad for that, that God is preparing a house for you? A spiritual, physical house that knows no more sickness or pain or sorrow. Amen? Eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. Amen? Uh, our folks here who are above 50, 60, 70, they could relate to this. Physically we groan. Amen? Earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from, once again, heaven, a spiritual house of our bodies. If so be that being clothed with, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, physical, earthly bodies, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that had wrought us for the self, same thing is God, the one that will give us our immortal incorruptible, glorified body is God himself who had given us unto us the earnest of the Spirit. How do we know that will happen? How do we know that we will one day be given our spiritual glorified body? Because God has already given us a deposit of this promise. God has given us an assurance, an earnest that is the Holy Spirit who is dwelling in us. The Holy Spirit who made our bodies his temple. If God was able to give us that comforter, the Holy Spirit, then He will fulfill to the last of His promise in giving us a new body. Because He already given us the Spirit. Verse 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while, whilst we are at home in the body, we are still alive, we are absent from the Lord in heaven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather, sometimes we feel like this, you know, we are willing rather to be absent from the body but to be present with the Lord. 
So when a person who is a believer, a Christian, dies, it's just a transfer of location, a transfer of being absent from the physical body, a separation between the body and the soul, but the soul and the spirit are in the presence of God. Amen. Absent from the body, but the promise for a believer is you are present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether we, whether present, alive, or absent, were in heaven, we may be accepted of Him. That should be our heart's desire. We will be acceptable unto God. Our lives will be pleasing either we're alive or we've gone to glory. For, verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. This is the rewarding time, the giving of the crowns, the giving of the rewards and prizes for a faithful service. Judgment seat of Christ. And there's a passage of scripture that uh, refers our works for the Lord, our good works as wood, hay, and stubble that will burn up and also as precious stones, gold and silver, which will remain after it passed through the fire and they'll be rewarded. So whatever you do for the Lord, this life, this temporal life that we have on this side of eternity will either be rewarded by God or it will burn up. So we should take mind of that when we serve the Lord. We should serve Him with a pure heart. And there's another judgment. It is called the white, great white throne judgment. We tackled that in the studies of the book of Revelation. This is a judgment for the unbelievers. When will this happen? Of course, the next greatest prophetic event in Christianity in the church is the rapture of the church. After the rapture of the church, there will be the seven years great tribulation in this world. And then Christ will come back with his saints at the end of the seven years to establish his millennial reign where he will reign with prosperity and peace. But at uh, the beginning of that millennial reign, Satan will be bound into the bottomless pit, and there will be prosperity all over the world. Christ will be the uh, great ruler, and we will reign with him according to your faithfulness, stewardship in this life. But at the end of that thousand year, Satan will be loose, and he will be able to deceive many nations and they will have an all-out war the last great rebellion from god and god has to throw away satan and the unbelievers into the lake of fire but before that he will they will be raised and they'll be judged in that great white throne and the books will be open if their names are not written in the lamb's book of life and there will be reasons why it's not there they'll be judged according to their works and that will be their final destiny their final end when they are judged in that great white throne. And thanks be to God, we will not be part of that judgment. Amen? Because we're already secured in heaven. Because we already had been judged of our sins on the cross. And what judgment awaits us is just the receiving of rewards in that great, uh, in that Bema judgment, judgment seat of Christ. So, there is that uh, required courses in everyone's life in this world. Either you are a believer or an unbeliever. There is life, there's death, and there's judgment. The next is the elective courses. All right? We'll deal with this a little bit, and we'll close. All right? Elective. You have a choice. You have a decision to make. All right? You have a decision to make. What are these elective courses? First is to be saved or to be lost. All right? To be saved or to be lost. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to 13, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. First Timothy also tells us that God has sent his son to be the savior of all men. Romans 10 13 says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, all right? In verse 11, we read, For the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all, he reached unto all that call upon him. So, salvation is freely offered to all. So, it's a man's choice. Either they will reject or receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one that goes to hell will go there and be lost forever and will point their burning finger on God and said to God, God, I'm here because 
you did not make a way for me to escape this place. No, because God loves all men. He died for the sins of all men. And man needs to do is just to recognize that and accept that. And accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. You see, nature forms us, isn't it? Nature forms us. Biologically speaking, it forms us. But sin sadly deforms us. As students, as we all go to school, a school might inform us, but only Jesus Christ can transform us. We better reach that point. Amen? Yes, we are born, and we can see the consequences, the penalty of sin. Yes, we can go to school, uh, higher learning, elite school. You can have all, um, what they call this, the accolades, the awards, the accomplishments of being in a good school and accomplishing academically. But if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God in a personal way, then all things, all of these things are just in vain. It's just going to be worthless when compared to eternity because too much learning is not, you know, um, an indicative that God will accept you. The question is, do you have, what have you done with my son? What have you done with the Savior that I have given you? So only Christ can transform us. Amen? Transform us into something better. Something that will please God. Because as a natural man, we cannot please God. Amen? But when we are transformed, we can live by faith. So secondly, to be spiritual or carnal, we have a choice in this elective course to be spiritual or carnal. We love this passage of scripture in Romans chapter 8, isn't it? Oh, what a great chapter this is. Go there. It says there, there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen? Can I hear an amen for that? Do you believe that? Therefore, there is now no more condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Isn't it? Our flesh condemns us. Sin condemns us. The devil can condemn us. But if you uh, will just understand this truth, that there is no more condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Those who have experienced his love. Why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Alright, just reading these verses uh, can encourage us. For to be... Carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then that they are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but, praise be to God, in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if we live after the flesh, ye shall die, because the flesh has corruption in it sin in it but if you through the spirit do kill or mortify the deeds of the flesh or the body ye shall live for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father or daddy to our heavenly father the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And look at this. And if children, the good news is, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen? So, 
What's our choice? To be spiritual or to be carnal? Sometimes it's hard to be spiritual, isn't it? Because why? We still live in the flesh. We're still living in a corrupt world. But the good news is we have help. We have strength from inside because the Holy Spirit dwelleth in us. We have the scripture that will give us strength. And by the grace of God, we can do what we ought to do. We can obey His commandments because now we are not depending on our own energy and our own strength. There is God in heaven that will strengthen us. Thirdly, third elective course to be scriptural or logical. Here comes humanism, you know? Logical. What's our verse here? Of course, in our passage of scripture, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 17, here's the example of Apostle Paul to Timothy, and that from a child does know the Holy Scriptures. I could say, with all the graduates that we have here in the church, most of you grew up in a Christian home. Amen? So, don't take that for granted. Because I tell you, you are very blessed. I am blessed because God allowed me to have Christian parents. We were like uh, saved or uh, spared from, uh, let's say, a lot of heartaches. A lot of uh, experience of knowing um, the grace of God and the mercy of God. And, and don't envy those that have a, a better testimony than you have because they already they were able to experience the bad, evil things of this life. You know, but sometimes those things like scar them for life. But for us, we are spared on that. And uh, we just need to live by faith and not those, take those for granted because that's not just a history that we are born and raised in a Christian home, but it's a good and godly heritage. It's not just history, but a heritage because not everybody has that kind of opportunity and privilege. And we know that we're living in this day and age where the family is the number one target of our enemy. He wants to destroy the family. He wants to have, have a father who will just father a child and abandon it and be irresponsible or uh, 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 separate husband and wife, spouses. Just make everything to destroy the basic building block of any society. And sadly, the devil is uh, gaining ground in that uh, area of our society because he knew if he can destroy the family, then the whole nation will collapse. Isn't it? And that's happening. And I don't have to tell you what's happening here in America. We have to pray. That the basic building block of society is being attacked and there's so much confusion and misinformation and, and division. Amen? But as Christians, we need to lay hold fast on the truth of the Word of God. So kids, children, graduates, what would you choose, to be scriptural or logical? Logic says, that looks good. That looks entertaining, isn't it? Logic says, um, everybody's doing it. huh? Why not you do it? Seems fun. But you look at what the Bible says, because the Bible are the words of life, words of wisdom. You'll never go wrong with the Bible. It might be tough to obey first, because there is that old nature upon us. There is the world who's trying to restrain us. But you will do good when you obey God's word. Amen? Amen? Obey the truth. So, I hope and pray you will be obeying the other one. To be scriptural or biblical than logical. Number four, to be safe in God's will or your own will. Hmm. You need to choose. You need to make a decision. You need to make an election in that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but not much more in my absence, work out. That doesn't say or mean that we work for our salvation. You know, the Greek uh, term there denotes that there is already something that had happened. This is the manifestation, expression, the evidence that there was truly salvation that happened in the first place. All right? There are supposed to be evidence and fruit of something, of an inward change that had happened inside of you. Not working to be saved, but you are working because you are saved. You are producing good works, the fruits of the Spirit. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it will not just benefit you, but benefit others who see the difference, the impact of the gospel in you. Look in verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings 
and disputings and so forth. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So, let me give out this uh, question. Why, not just the graduates, why the believers and Christians need to continue in the things that, the, that we have learned, been assured of? Why do we have to continue to, you know, go forward for the Lord? Why? You know why? Because Christ asks, when he comes again, will he find faith in this world? Amen? He also says that in the last days, the, the love of many shall wax cold. Isn't it? That's the day and age that we're living in. He also said that in the scripture that there will come a, thing, a time that men will not endure sound doctrine, but they will have itching ears. There will come a time that people will be spiritually apathetic. They will, don't care about spiritual things. All they care is about Fun, entertainment, isn't it? Worldly pleasures. So it's happening in our day and age. We're living in that characteristic of the last days, as the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, that we're living in perilous times. All right? So that's why we need to continue. We need to continue because of these reasons. You know? That Christ is looking for faith when he comes back. That the hearts of men are being swayed by uh, the cares of this world, and it's uh, going cold and cold, and it's waxing worse and worse with our society. That's why we need to continue, or else, you know, we will not be able to influence others. Go the distance, graduates. Stay the course. Fight the good fight. Finish the course. Why? Because this passage of Scripture tells us we need to continue. Continue thou into the things that thou hast learned. You had some good foundations growing up. Don't let the devil snatch those away. Rub those away by the philosophies of this world. You know, why do you need to continue growing? Amen? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Why do you need to continue in glowing? Making your light so shine upon men that they may see your good works, as the Bible says in Matthew 5.16. Why do you keep on going? Going in a uh, witnessing to others, going in to preach and teach uh, uh, the gospel uh, around the world by supporting missionaries and being a missionary yourself. Why do you need to keep on giving to the Lord? You know, giving your faith promise mission, your tithes and offering to God, giving to those who are in need. Why do we need to continue gaining higher ground for the Lord? Because as I said a while ago, Christ is looking for faith good kind of faith from his people when he comes back in these last days that we're living in. And I want to be part of that remnant. Amen? Amen. Won't you? Isn't it? Won't you? By God's grace? Because we don't want just to be falling on the wayside. Amen? We don't want to be just being put in the shelf. We just don't want to be like used to Christians. Isn't it? But we want to be active and occupying to the work of the Lord until he comes again. That's our goal. That's our heart's desire as Christians. You know, Luke 18.8, that's a passage of scripture. Christ said, will I find faith when I came back into this world? Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. It says there that iniquity shall abound, and we are in the time of lawlessness and spiritual apathy. Will he find us faithful? Will he find us faithful? So as I close, I'd like to encourage our graduates today. Just a few more words. Stand even if you have to stand alone. Amen? We have uh, graduates here, previous graduates, who had given us their experience while in college. Sometimes it takes faith. It takes God's strength to stand in the midst, as the Bible says, in a crooked and perverse generation. Stand even if you have to stand alone. You know, there is this illustration, a story. Listen to this now. Uh, and our children uh, can relate to this, even, even us. There was a test conducted by a university. There, were, there was 10 students that were placed in a room. 
Three lines of wiring length were drawn on a card. The students were told to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the longest line. But nine of the students had been instructed beforehand to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the second longest line. One student was the stooge. He was clueless. He was the subject of this experiment, all right? The usual reaction of the stooge was to put his hand up, look around, and realizing he was all alone, pull it back down. This happened 75% of the time with students from grade school through high school. So the researchers concluded that many would rather stand with the majority than risk being right and alone. Now is the time for us when you will have to face some of your fears squarely with a firm confidence in God. Never ever take your cues from the crowd because the crowd is not always right. Amen? But with God and the Bible and His Word, we can be right. And we can be in majority in the eyes of God. So look at this researcher. Uh, what, maybe we can say peer pressure, isn't it? We can see like, you don't want to be like ostracized or be different. So even though they raised their hand, even though what the instructor was saying was wrong, but because he's the only one who knows the truth and he just hesitate and, and pull back his hand because he doesn't want to be in, not in compliance with the crowd. Isn't it? So there's a temptation for that for us to do. But as Christians, continue to stand, even if you have to stand alone. Because if God is by your side, then you are in the right place. Amen? So ask God for grace and strength. Secondly, be honest, students. Be honest. Be honest. You need God's help all the time. You still need your parents' wisdom and instruction all the time. You need the prayers of Christians. You need the instructions from the church and teachers. Be honest. Be honest as you continue to study and probably make a living. There's a story of a rancher who asked a, a veterinarian for some free advice. He said, I have a horse. He said, this horse walks normally sometimes, but limps sometimes. What shall I do? The veterinarian replied, the next time he walks normally, sell him. Well, I tell you, this honesty is the norm for today in the, this world that we're living in, isn't it? What drives that sometimes is the love or the greed for money, which is their master. So they'll just be dishonest just to make money. But it takes courage to be honest, you know, on a resume or not to cheat on an exam or to be fair in a business. And honesty is still glorifying to God, amen? It's still pleasing to God. Now, there is a story here in the midst of World War II, Oxford University asked then Prime Minister uh, Winston Churchill, you know, we know him, famous uh, Prime Minister of uh, England, to address its commencement exercises. Uh, I, loved, I loved that marching uh, tune a while ago, isn't it? Before our graduates come up here, you know, with their gown. I still remember when I graduated from elementary. That's really, really, really long time ago. You know, you get excited when you hear um, from your um, school municipality when you hear those, oh, March na, graduation na, commencement na, hi, salamat, vacation na, di ba? Salamat din ako, gigising maaga, maglalakad, and then uh, I don't have to like uh, do whatever the teacher wants me to do. Like uh, agriculture time, home economics, make a plot, work hard, put those seeds, grow them, and give the harvest to the teacher. You know, <laughs> and um, if you have a bad harvest, but you have bad grades, but you know, can, can I can I bring some home? No, you can't because the teacher and the principal and the staff would like to have it all. You know, so um, but when it's graduation and then um, you have an honor, kaya sabi ng sa kapampan kahit medal pack, you know, um, medal pero hindi talaga medal pack lang. All right, ribbon or something. You feel proud, you feel accomplished. And you hear that you know, tune, that marching tune. Hi, salamat graduation na. Hi, salamat vacation na. Hi, salamat natapos na ako ng grade 6. You know? And mag-high school na ako. So it's an exciting time. You know? But you were able to graduate because you did not quit. Amen. You strive. You work hard. Same thing with our kids here. But 
Sometimes they look like their schooling is like easy, you know? They just do virtual. Uh, they just woke up five minutes before class time. They still make it to class. And I'm just surprised with my kids. They still like have good grades, you know? And then sometimes we don't really see them studying, isn't it? And But during those times, man, everything is manual. You have to get a book. You have to like research, do everything. So I tell you kids, you are so blessed. You're so blessed. And, and uh, I, I can tell you're the most blessed group of kids here in this whole wide world, especially living here in America and having a, a Christian home. So in this story, in these commencement exercises, <clears throat> Prime Minister Churchill addressed the students. So he dressed in his finest suit. He arrived at the auditorium where the service was to be held with his usual props. If you know him, he had a cigar, a cane, and a top hat. As Churchill approached the podium, the crowd rose in appreciative applause because they have him as the speaker, a great man, a great politician. Standing there looking very dignified, he settled the crowd down and asked them to be seated. Standing confidently before this crowd of great admirers, he removed his cigar and placed his top hat on the podium. Then Churchill gazed at his waiting audience that included some of the most noted scholars in the world. With an authoritative tongue in his voice, he began with three words, his commencement speech. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Several seconds passed without him saying another word. Finally, he repeated the same words again three times. He said to the audience, to the scholars, to all the faculty and staff and visitors, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. There was a deafening silence as Churchill reached for his hat, steadied himself with his cane, and left the platform. Huh? His commencement address was finished. And probably he'll be invited again because he <laughs> speaks short. All right? But thanks be to God, the Bible can do better than that. Amen. Isn't it? Because um, think of this illustration. If you're in the middle of nowhere and have no idea where you are, and thanks be to God, spiritually speaking, our Bibles are God's compass for us, isn't it? Our GPS, our instructions, how to live this life victoriously, how to live life prepared to meet our God. But if you're in the middle of nowhere and have no idea where you're going, for example, the first thing we must always do when trying to find our direction in some unknown territory is identifying which direction is always north. North. Where is north? And you'll be able to figure somehow where you're supposed to go. Once we know where true north is, true north is, we can navigate from there. NASA illustrates this need for a reference point. The reference point is always north. Don't you know that on day six of the ill-fated mission of the Apollo 13, the astronauts needed to make a critical course correction. If they failed, they might never return to Earth. You know, that was just an illustration a while ago about Apollo, you know. To conserve power, they shut down the onboard computer that steered the craft. Yet, the astronauts needed to conduct a 39-second burn of the main engines. How to steer? They won't have any more, you know, a computer chip running. They have to do it manually. Astronaut Jim Lovell determined that if they could keep a fixed point in space in view through their tiny window, they could steer the craft manually. As shown in the 1995 hit movie, Apollo 13, for 39 agonizing seconds, Lovell focused on keeping the Earth in view. Because during that time, while they're in their orbit that was north, the Earth was placed north during that time. By not losing sight of that reference point, the three astronauts avoided disaster. Aren't you glad, thanks be to God, that the Bible can do us a better illustration because he said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that our reference point in having a good life, in fulfilling what education really is, is Jesus Christ. Amen? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We are told to fix our eyes on Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith because scripture reminds us 
that to finish your life mission successfully, to really be good in education, you need to know God in a personal way. You need to love Him, serve Him, you know, depend on Him and enjoy Him in your Christian walk. So for that application, as Christians, as, as students, as graduates, your reference point to really success is Jesus Christ. You study to show yourselves approved unto God. You know why? Because the Bible says everything that we do, we need to do it to the glory of God. For Christians, our reference point is Jesus Christ. You can be flexible on many things in life, and you should be. But when it comes to the true north of the Savior and His teaching, as a reference point, don't ever budge. This is our foundation. Jesus Christ, who is the main theme of this book, is our reference point. He's the author, the finisher of our faith. It's so easy to become distracted, isn't it? But we need to keep our eyes on the price. Keep on going forward. Continue thou. Remain to the things that thou hast taught. And don't be swayed on the other things that the world offers and its philosophies. Because you'll never go wrong when you follow the principles of God's word. Continue thou, brethren. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this uh, simple passage of scripture. Thank you for the testimony of Apostle Paul towards Timothy, that he encouraged him as a young pastor, as a, a person who was blessed by having the privilege to be born and raised in a Christian home with godly um, mother and, and godly grandmother, to continue to the things that he has learned, been assured of. We can continue. We can still move forward. We can remain on the things that we've been taught through the Bible because there's a God in heaven who desires us, Lord, to be that way. When so many in this world right now, and it saddens our heart that Christians alike had uh, fallen out of your will, had fallen on the wayside of uh, the deception of the enemy. And we know, Lord, that we are not exempted of that, and we cannot say we're strong. Uh, we will always stand because there will come a time that we'll be tempted. Our, our faith will be tested. But your, gr your grace and mercy and, and strength, Lord, is always available for us. So we totally depend on it, Lord, so that we can con continue to, to do thy will. And we pray for our graduates, Lord, that, uh, that they will have a, a heavenly, uh, an eternal perspective. That we are not in this life just to accumulate things. We are not here to have a ju good education, have a good job, make money, purchase things, and then we leave our relationship with you, our service to you. Because all these things that we accumulate, one day we'll fade away. One day we'll, we'll be burned up. But if we do things, Lord, for your glory, if we dedicate our life to you, if we dedicate what we accomplish for your education, like, I'm going to study hard, so uh, I'll be a good steward of the God-given uh, abilities that has provided for me. I will study hard. I'll make good education, finish my course well so I could probably have a good job in the future and I will use that job what I earn so I could expand God's kingdom. I will use that job so I could help my parents so they could still serve the Lord. I will use that job so I could help those that are in need. I could support missionaries. Whatever your desire, when you take that in accordance to the will of God in your life, I believe that God will bless that effort. But if we will just think of ourselves, I want to finish my education so I could have a good job and make money so I could leave it for myself. So I could just buy whatever I want and just be comfortable and convenient, but not regarding the will of God in your life, not giving and spending for eternal things, then I believe that's a mistake. And God wants us to warn about that. Because we're not here to stay. We are just pilgrims. We are just passing through this life. 
So whatever God bless us with, education, ability, money, we need to give it to God. It, it, it can be just little. It might not be much, especially time or, or, or treasure or talents. It might not be much, but if we dedicate it to God, we give it to God to be used by Him, I believe God will bless that. God will honor that. So children, hear me. Graduates, please hear me. May you continue. May you continue. The things that thou hast learned, the things that you've been assured of, because many of you had known the Lord since you were young. Don't let the devil, don't let the world, don't let the sinful flesh deceive you of thinking, huh, it's hard, it's tough to live for the Lord. It's tough to serve Him. It's easier to just go through the flow and just be what the world is doing. It's, it's easier. It's, it seems like it's more fun. But I tell you, you will not be sorry if you live for Jesus, if you live by faith, if you try to obey His will, His commandments in your life, because He will give you the grace and the strength to do it. So while we pray today, I'd like to challenge our, our students. First, <clears throat> you need to recognize, acknowledge that what you accomplish first comes from God. He is the giver of all good things, good gifts. He has given you the capacity to think. He has given you the resources that you have. And uh, you need to keep on progressing, developing your relationship with God. And whatever you accomplish for this year, middle school, high school, or for our college students, give God the glory. Without Him, you will never accomplish anything. Thank Him for what has provided you. Secondly, honor your parents who make sacrifices. They're not perfect, but you need to honor them by respecting them, obeying them, doing everything you can to be a, an asset in your home, to be a blessing, not to be a burden. Yes, we can become a burden sometimes, and it's, it's normal, but by God's grace, may you have the wisdom to to do what you're supposed to do as we grow up and help us by God's grace, especially we're all guilty of this to manage our time wisely to, to do things that are profitable that are worthwhile because we all admit we waste a lot of time, isn't it? We're prone to that, we're guilty but by God's grace, Lord, help me use my time wisely to be a blessing to my parents, to others and then thirdly, just depend on the Lord for everything. There might be hurdles coming forward. There might be financial burdens. There might be challenges. But your God, my God that I serve, that I know, is bigger than all of that. Those that are going to college, ask God for wisdom. For What is the right course, Lord? What is the right line that I need to do? Will, will this be used for your glory? Will this be a blessing to others? Ask God for wisdom. And whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Do your best. Lord, thank you for what you've reminded us today. Thank you, Lord, that for that promise that if any of us lack wisdom in James 1.5, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and pray in it, and it shall be given unto him. Lord, we ask for our students here that you will not just give them worldly wisdom, knowledge, academics, data, but Lord, most of all, you give them spiritual wisdom, heavenly wisdom that they will use what knowledge they attain with the right purpose, the right direction. Um, with so many... Uh, Foolish things happening right now, Lord. We pray, Lord, that our students, our children, will be wise as serpents and harmless as a dove, always depending on you, Lord. Always at, uh, consulting your word, your will. And we thank you, Lord, for what they had accomplished for the year 20, 
2020 and 2021 with all the hardships and the challenges of this uh, uh, worldwide pandemic. Lord, thank you for your sustaining grace that they're still able to graduate and finish something in their life. So we dedicate them all to you, Lord, and we just pray that you'll be merciful unto them. I pray, Lord, that they will build their personal relationship with you, that they will know you in a special and a personal way, that they will love your word, that they will love prayer, that they will love the things of God, spiritual things alike, so they can be blessed, as they could have a strong foundation. And help us, Lord, as a church family, and help their parents also, and siblings and household uh, family members to pray for them, and support them, and that personally, Lord, they will know that they are a child of God. They are highly favored uh, from among the children of men because they have their God as their heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful assurance to, by your grace that we can continue in the Lord because you're the one that will strengthen us. Bless us now, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.